The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Before we get started today, I just wanted to remind you that you can catch every game of the NBA Finals on ABC and ESPN Radio, where you can hear Doris Burke doing color, by the way. Plus, relive one of the greatest icons and most successful teams in sports history, Michael Jordan, the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls. Stream the Emmy and NAACP Image Award-winning series, The Last Dance on ESPN+. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon. I'm in Las Vegas with Team USA. They've got a game uh, tonight in Australian, oh, I'm sorry, an exhibition with the Australians. They uh, lost to the Nigerians in their first exhibition game on Saturday. We're recording this before the game, so I don't, you know, by the time you guys all hear this, you may, may have already seen what happened in the game or not. Who knows? Um, joining me from Dallas, Texas, is Ben McMahon. Hello, Mr. McMahon. Howdy, partners. And joining me from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the Bucks came back with a 20-point win in Game 3 last night to get the series to 2-1 and announce that this is actually going to be a series is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. How's it going? Hey, man, I teed off at uh, 6 a.m. this morning. I had 18 holes in before 10. So everything's going wow. fine. How? Um, well, how how was it? It was like 112 at 6 o'clock, wasn't it? No, it was. I don't know what it was, but it was about 107 when we finished. Eh, maybe 104 when we finished. Um, it's the inverse of where... Uh, wherever I've played my whole life, where most people want to tee off at like 10 o'clock. No, now everybody's teeing off between like, you know, six and seven 30. And when you finish, there's nobody on the first tee because nobody wants to go play at 10 or 11 o'clock. I have never but, played uh, a hole of golf in the non putt putt division. Well, you seem to be doing just fine with life. All right. Uh, you, your stress level is probably lower because of it. Um, Stress level with Phoenix is a little bit elevated, um, Bontemps. Um, I think there's two things about this game that I, I take away. One is Giannis in game one, he was coming back from that knee injury, which we now just forget exists, apparently. Um, even though I thought it was a devastating injury and could didn't know when he was going to play in this series. I figured he'd play in the series. I didn't know when. Now, not only is he playing, he's just had two absolutely dominating performances. He just slaughtered the Suns on the interior in game three, largely because DeAndre Ayton was in foul trouble much of the game. Um, but he has been absolutely Foul trouble awesome. Giannis created, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I have to say, on this podcast over the years, I've talked about Giannis having his Matrix moment, which is a reference to the movie The Matrix, which is now over 20 years old and some people haven't seen it, but basically where he comes to the realization that he can control everything out there with his size and skill. And it's not maybe hundred percent true yet, but I, for the first time, am really seeing that he may be on the cusp of the Neo Keanu Reeves character, where at the end of the movie, he just realizes he can stop bullets and he can manipulate time and space I think it's now on the horizon for Giannis. I think it's. Ha- I think it might be happening. Wait, so, you said you said skill though. J- James Harden told us Giannis doesn't have any skill. 
Well, so he's I'm, got I'm, more skill I'm, than I'm I do. I'm confused. Well, he doesn't I, I have know. skill. Like, he doesn't have. I know that this is a this is a thing people want to say. He doesn't have skill shooting the ball that we can agree on. But you don't make 14 baskets in the paint in an NBA Finals game without some skill. Well, it's, just, it's just about being it's just about being tall and athletic. That's why JaVel McGee's had multiple 40 point finals performances. <laughs> um, Ryan Ryan Hollins was a back to back MVP, wasn't he? It's just about being tall and athletic. That's all he's got. I, mean, I, well, I think we all agree. I think, that, I think Shaq was pretty skilled, too. So uh, I think we all pretty- agree that Giannis could harness his talents differently and develop some of his talents differently. But um, the performances Bontemps have been brilliant and it's, I'm starting to say, is this, are we watching a historic level? I'm going to take the finals by the throat move. Well, listen, I'm not even sure I, I'm not even sure I necessarily agree with your point about his skills. Like, look, would people like him to shoot a couple less jumpers? Sure. Like that'd be fine. But at the end of the day, this guy is basically Shaq who can play point forward. Like that's an insane, that's an insanely talented player. And you know, he's a guy who won defensive player of the year and MVP last year and won back-to-back MVPs. And I think is underrated somehow because he his accomplishments are sort of glossed over by people. And coming into the series, I thought he was going to be able to get whatever he wanted whenever he wanted. And he has done exactly that. The Phoenix Suns have absolutely no way to guard him. And he has rampaged through them the past two games. As, you know, as I think you pointed out at the beginning, he had 20 and 17 in game one when he was feeling his way back into the series after his leg bent in a direction that I didn't think a leg could bend. Uh, a week before. Um, so, yeah, to me, this series should be 2-1 bucks right now. If the Suns hadn't gone 20 for 40 from three in game two, and if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday had not forgot how to shoot in game two, they would be up to one in the series and firmly in the driver's seat. And that being said, I fully expect the series to be 2-2 on Thursday morning. And I think I thought coming into the series, the Bucks were the better team, and I still think they're going to win the finals now because ultimately – if the other guys can just do a, a little bit to keep up with this guy, I just don't really see a way that Phoenix is going to slow him down at any point because they've thrown. Well, every Phoenix is really, really good, and they no, no, no. have a Phoenix great is, offense. And- Phoenix is Phoenix is great, but Giannis has gotten forty and ten the past two games, and there's really no reason to think he can't continue to get somewhere near those numbers every game because the Suns just don't have any way to stop him from getting to the rim and scoring. Yeah, the, the the question is, can Middleton be efficient? Can Drew Holiday uh, hit shots? Because Giannis yep. is going to get his. And I, and I love that kind of as the series progresses in, in half court, you're seeing, and Wendy, I heard you mention this in, in your podcast with, uh, with Zach and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You're seeing him be more of a big man. You're seeing him do more, you know, screening and diving to the rim or when he gets Cam Johnson or, you know, somebody smaller on him you know, posting up and just, and just beasting. I mean, he, he, his game is more Shaq than Kobe, but he has a Kobe like work ethic and, and, and approach. And it's funny to me that all people want to do is nitpick what he can't do. Like, dude, he's a six foot 11, you know, freakish athlete who has worked to develop like the perfect NBA body. He's one of the most potent weapons we've ever seen in transition. 
who who cares if he is a mediocre free throw shooter or poor free throw shooter or who cares that he can't shoot threes? He's dominating the NBA finals right now. People still want to complain about Will. Well, the question is, do you think he he doesn't have a bag? Shut up. But do you think he can do it twice more or I mean, three times more? Because I think I I think I think he he can four times more. I don't see any reason. There's nothing from the first three games that has shown me this can't continue. Not one thing. And I, I thought coming into this series, Giannis was going to eat as much as he wanted, and it was solely going to come down to whether Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday mm-hmm. could play De- Devin Booker and Chris Ball to basically a tie or a little short of it. And if they could do that, the Bucs are going to win the finals. And through three games, it's two to one, Suns, because Chris Ball and Devin Booker outplayed them by a significant amount in Phoenix. And then last night, there was it was at least somewhat in – uh, in their favor, if not a lot, in the Milwaukee side, and they won last night. And they, I just think that's re- like this series to me is pretty reductive. It just comes down to those four guards, whichever half, if they play the same, Giannis is going to be great. I think the Bucks win. If the Sun, I think the Suns guys have to play really well um, and outplay those Bucks guys for for the Suns to have a chance to win these games. Yeah, I look. I think Chris Paul is going to be, you know, he he's going to be consistent and you know just efficient and and you know a star throughout the series booker's a little bit up and down even though he you know he's he's proven he's a legit uh superstar type of player and then uh you know aiden obviously aiden getting in foul trouble last night was a was a massive uh factor in that game but if if middleton and holiday are efficient man bucks are winning i mean it's that simple if you tell me how chris middleton and drew holiday play in each of these games I can pretty much tell you how the games are going to go. Like, I, I think this series is that simple. If those guys I would play say well, if you tell me how DeAndre Ayton's going to play, I'll tell you how the series is going to go. <clears throat> yeah, but to, as Bontem said, DeAndre Ayton getting in foul trouble and Giannis absolutely wreaking havoc in the paint are related. And, I, you know, I, I, I do think Giannis played without the ball in his hands a little bit more in game three, which that's important because – I think the more you're putting the ball in, in Holiday's hands and in Middleton's hands and letting them be uh, playmakers, you know, having Giannis as a, as a screener and roller for them. You don't want them standing yeah, I think it's around. It's easier getting, for them to get in rhythm. Yeah, you don't want them standing around getting static and not making plays. Because um, again, like you're right, Brian. Aiton obviously is a critical piece for Phoenix, and Giannis took him out of the game last night. But if Giannis is getting 30 plus a game, which I, I think is very safe to assume he's going to do in this series. If the other two guys are getting 20 plus each or in that range, like that's a ton of points that you're putting up right there. And I, I just think the way, the way this is set up for Phoenix, you know, again, they won game two because Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were God awful on offense and they hit 23s. And that game was a two possession game with five minutes to go. So to me, the margin for error is in Milwaukee's favor. And if those guards are good and Giannis is able to control these games like he has, I, I, I know it's 2-1 Suns, but I feel like it's an uphill climb for them in the series. So, so far in this series, and granted, game one, he just, he was ginger. He was just, yeah. he, I, I didn't feel it was all. In, so far in three games, he's averaging 38 minutes, which is sustainable. Right, they're not yep. playing him forty-four. Yep, he's averaging thirty-four points, and again, that includes a low game one where he was sort of down. He's averaging fourteen rebounds. He's averaging five assists, and this is the number. 
He's shooting 66% at the line. Now, that is the second highest free throw percentage he's had in the playoff series in his career. I know it's been three games. When it's also but, buoyed by going 13 for 17 last night. Obviously. Okay. Just to point that, that counts. out. counts. But keep in mind that in the, in, the, in the series with the Nets, which was the real super-duper test, he shot 48% from the line. He's shooting 66% from the line in these three games. And as great as he's – that series with the Nets where he was, you know, the difference-making player, he averaged 32 points and 13 rebounds and shot, 70, or shot 57% because he refused to only shoot in the paint. In this series, he is shooting 63% overall. Um, he's never – so far, again, three rounds, he's never shot the ball – better in a series he is just going in there and it didn't surprise me at all <clears throat> after the game that the sun started chirping about the officiating it is very natural in a in a situation like this to complain about the officiating and then they had the scott foster thing that was going on there but you know they're chirping about the officiating because frankly they need the whistle they're watching what Giannis is doing and they're realizing and they, got, they got the whistle in game one also they're a team that That's doesn't right. get to the foul line. They got 26 foul shots in game one, which they ba- which they basically never do. And the Bucs don't foul is the other thing. The Bucs are one of the least fouling teams in the league going up a team, against a team that's one of the least free throw shooting teams in the league. So if you have Giannis rampaging to the rim and getting everybody in foul trouble and the other team is shooting jump shots, that's another part of this that tilts in Milwaukee's favor as this thing stretches on. Yeah, and, and look, show me the fouls on Giannis that were bad calls. Don't don't show me the numbers. I know he shot a lot of free throws. Show me the fouls that were bad calls. All right, look, and, and thing, I also think it's kind of funny. Was playing twenty years ago, right? Right, like, and Shaq look, Zion. When Zion's in the playoffs, yep. When Zion reaches the playoffs at some point, you're going to hear these same kind of arguments as him. When there are physical freaks, just freaks of athletic nature, who are constantly in attack mode, they're going to get a lot. Of, especially when it's a guy like Giannis, who one of his one of his you know, warts is that he's a poor free throw shooter. Now, to Giannis's credit and to the polar opposite of, say, Ben Simmons, uh, whether he's knocking his free throws down or not, he does not let that change his mentality. He is attacking, and that's what the Bucks need him to do. But also for the Suns, for a team that is led by Chris Paul to, I mean, come on, there's nobody <laughs> better in the league at yes. hunting fouls than Chris Paul. Giannis ain't getting... You know, he ain't get. oh, it's bonus time. Let me pull a ridiculous rip through and get two free throws. That ain't the way these calls are going for him. Well, here's the thing. What the Suns fans are going to point to and the Suns themselves are going to point to is they're going to say, well, Giannis has shot more free throws individually than, than the Suns have as a team in each of the last two games. But you can't really look at the numbers because part of the game plan is to send Giannis to the line. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, that's – he can't look at those, those numbers. Um, the other thing, you know, as you watch the, the way the games unfold, like there are times when, when fouling Giannis is the absolute right decision. Yeah. Um, you would rather foul Giannis and have him throw it down with two hands and hang on the rim and smile for the cameras. Absolutely. Now, the problem is a lot of times you try to foul him to keep him from doing that. He still does that and then gets one free throw instead of two. Yeah. So. You know, it's funny that you mentioned how Giannis can, just continues to do it. He doesn't let it get him down when he shoots like an air ball that's three feet short and two feet right. In the second round against against uh, Brooklyn, at the same time that Ben Simmons was having his struggles 
shooting and just refusing to shoot against the, the, the Hawks. There was this one moment where Jan, I think the game was in Brooklyn. I don't remember which game it was, but Giannis banks in the three. It was a bad one. It was like a real high one off the, mm-hmm. off even maybe even above the square and it banks in and the camera zooms in on him and he just sort of gives a smile and he, you can see him say, I'll take it. You know, I don't think you should ever shoot a three, but you know, that's him and like acknowledging, like, listen, I understand my situation. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I, you know, that attitude, especially in comparison to Simmons, I think is refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's one of his admirable qualities that he's just willing to put his head down and keep playing the way he thinks he should play and kind of let the chips fall where they may as they go. Right. Cause Ben Simmons is not the only guy who we've seen shy away from shooting foul shots when they lose some confidence at the line. Right. And Giannis will airball a free throw and sink the next one. And he'll go right back down and attack the rim on the next possession. And I, I, I do think it's an admirable thing. And look, again, to go back to what I said before, the Suns are shooting less free throws per game than any team in this year's playoffs. And they were 29th in free throw attempt rate in the regular season in terms of free throws per game. Attempt. That's despite so, Chris Paul averaging eight per game just on bonus rip throughs. He, right. he gets one so every quarter. I, you can't convince me otherwise. That's right. So they don't, they don't have guys that get to the line. They are a jump shooting team. And they're a jump shooting team going up against, to McMahon's point, outside of maybe Zion, the single best guy in the league at drawing fouls and getting to the line, and a guy that they're wrapping up instead of letting them dunk on their heads a lot. Well, so, James, James Harden would be in that conversation well, right. for, uh, for different Harden reasons. Up, no, By James the way, Harden's totally up there, too. Do you think Harden. he's tuning in for uh, CP3 versus Giannis while you think him and little baby are sitting over there in Paris and, I guess, in the in the wee morning hours watching this series? Well, now he's hanging in Monaco with Magic, so I, I oh, clearly cool. Harden is living his best life over there. Well, didn't, yeah, I didn't all, actually, I want to be careful. I didn't actually see this, but somebody told me that Ben Simmons was spotted in Paris. I have no idea. We, oui, we, oui. okay. now there was fashion week. I know um, usually you're, you're there for that, Wendy, but uh, finals. I know this, this, this change it. of schedule, um, uh, uh, you know, really, you know, you know, really, you know, throws me a, a curveball. Um, you know, totally messes up my holes, my, 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 my normal, you know, usually I'm in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm. And then I take the jet to Paris. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So the other thing I thought coming out of this game, first off was Giannis is just, are we seeing something here? Is this, is this becoming Jordan ask type stuff? I mean, I, I hate to invoke that name, but you know, I'm starting to see little things here. The other thing 
that I'm that I'm watching here is whether or not this issue with no backup center is going to become a big problem for the Suns. It's already um, a problem. Well, it costs them one game. I don't, you know, I don't, but. You know, they, they did have some, they did have some success when they first went small, when they, when Aiden got in foul trouble, they brought in Cam Johnson, who, by the way, I didn't know Cam Johnson could take off from the dotted line, much less Holy punch it Moses. on somebody. And then, and then he was hit a, like, it, was he was like, moment. he was, he was Michael Jordan for, for, for like three minutes there. I mean, he's hitting, you know, crazy reverse layups, dunking on people, knocking down threes. But so they had a, a little success there. And I think they're probably going to have to play play small. Like no disrespect to Frank Kaminsky, but he he should have been cut after Patrick Beverly like pushed CP3 in the back and Frank Kaminsky standing right there. It's like, dude, come on! If you can't like, he should have been cut right there. Worst bodyguard activity in NBA history. (laughs) You can't play him. Like, what's he doing? If if you're not even gonna like, he kind of gave a little gentle shove back. Nah, that's it. He's out of there. Right after that. So playing him in the finals, come on now. That's just the, Sun, the Suns didn't lose that game because Dario Saric was hurt. But the, the reason Dario Saric being out is, in, is impactful for Phoenix is it's just another body to throw at Giannis over the course of the game. And they're just – they're short on bodies. Mikael Bridges is one of the best wing defenders in the league, but he's not really big enough to guard Giannis. So you've yeah. really just got Jay Crowder, Andrew Andre Ayton, and then you've got Torrey Craig, and that's it. There's right. really not anybody else on the team that can even kind of throw at him. Yeah, so, Bridges Bridges is a great wing defender, but Giannis is not a wing. And yeah. Giannis is, again, Giannis is playing more like a big. Giannis is a big who can handle the ball. Um, right. And when, he, when you put a wing on him, he is acting like a big and either screening and diving or going right to the block. It's, it's your point, McMahon. Whenever he got Cam Johnson on him or whenever he gets Mikhail on him, I mean, he is putting his shoulder into them and going to the rack. And that that's where they, I, like I said, they didn't lose that game because Darius Arch was out with this ACL injury, but it is a critical loss for them because they can't, you can't put Frank Kaminsky on Giannis and Dario is at least a guy who has played him some in the past and is a physical guy and could give them some minutes and do some stuff with the ball. And, you know, we've joked about Brian's comment from a couple months ago about the depth of his team. They don't have a lot of depth. Really, even if you counted Dario, we thought they, you know, him and Tory Craig and, and Cameron campaigns like eight guys Mayan Williams felt comfortable with in the playoffs. And then you throw in Cam Johnson. You cut one of those guys out in a series like this where Giannis is getting people in foul trouble, you're running out of bodies really fast. So the thing about Aiton is early in his career, he would really kind of get into foul trouble. Um, it was one of those things that happens to a lot of young big men. Yeah. He's really, really cleaned that up. You know, just everything about his game has just gotten more mature and him getting into foul trouble has not been as much of an issue. In fact, he averaged his in his this was his third season. He averaged his fewest fouls per game um, than he had in his first three years. So his fouls were down. And if you look at the postseason, he really hasn't been in foul trouble much Um, uh, in the last round against the Clippers in six games. He only committed 14 fouls. So he was never in foul trouble in that series. Of course, they didn't have Giannis barreling at him. Nobody, you know, there was even no Kawhi to do it. Um, that was the another jump shooting team that wasn't, to your point, putting pressure on the rim right. like that. So uh, Aiton has done a very good job of staying out of foul trouble. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily assume that he is going to have this recurred. This could just be a one-off. But I have to say 
that the small lineup that they used, which they can go to when Aiton is off the court, which I think could really be effective. I actually think it's good going forward. I actually think Giannis should play more five going forward in general, but that's a discussion for another well, day. And, well, and listen, in these past two games, again, because I think this, I think the Bucks sort of figured this out in game two series, I mean, and even though they lost, it was sort of a math problem loss rather than a, a game yeah. plan loss. Brooke Lopez played 21 minutes, I think, in game two, played 20 minutes in game three. And when he was out there, he was useful, but they're shifting more and more to Giannis at center and Pat Connaughton out there with the other, with, with Tucker Middleton and holiday. And Giannis is just, that's how Giannis is tearing them apart. Cause again, I, Duncan, I, I, that shooting around him, there's nobody to guard him. He can get to the rim whenever he wants. And if you collapse on him, they've got four guys who can hit shots around the perimeter around him. I think it's a lot easier to take Brooke Lopez off the floor though, when Deandre is in foul trouble because Aiton's sure. still Aiton's a load and you know, Aiton, they, they could not, the only way they stopped him, in this last game, as he got in foul trouble, he was lighting it up. Um, so, you know, I guess you could say he was lighting it up with Lopez out there. Might as well play small. But uh, Aiton does present a lot of problems. You know, the, the other thing, the one reason I would hold off on saying it's as simple as how does Middleton play, how does Holiday play, if those guys play well, the Bucks win. If it's close, who do you believe in? If it's close, five minutes to go, three minutes to go, who are you betting on in this series? I've never, I would never, I would, I would never bet on the, I wouldn't bet on the bucks close in it, you know? Yeah. The, I, the, yeah. But I especially understand. not against Chris Paul. Okay. Well, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but Chris, Again, I'll, I'll go back to a stat. Huge, it has huge late stat, moments in games. The stat so. hasn't played out since I've updated it like two weeks ago. The Suns have won 12 consecutive games decided by five points or less. Yep. Because their guards don't turn it over. And they shoot free throws better than any team in NBA history. And, yep. and Chris Paul's just an elite, like a historically elite closer. Now you can say, hey, well, if he's an historically elite closer, why is this his first finals? And, you know, whatever. There's a lot of circumstances there. The, is there anybody in the league who you trust more in a late game close situation than Chris Paul? No, they're great. And they've been great. They've been great this whole run. And look, to like my, um, my stance on this is not any disrespect to the Suns. I think the Suns are awesome, and they've been awesome all year. But ultimately, like I said, to me, Giannis is just a complete matchup nightmare for them. And because of that, I just think a lot of things have to go right if Giannis is going to play this way for Phoenix to win. Now, a lot of things did go right in game two. But to me, I think it's harder for them to replicate that than it is for the Bucks to replicate what they did in game three. When um, I, I was going to double check this. I don't even think the Bucks shot that great um, from the from the three point line in Game Three. Um, you know, I think it was a pretty. Let me look here real quick. Um, yeah, I mean they shot thirty eight percent from three, but like it's not like they it's not like they completely shot the lights out either. Um, but again, if Giannis is going for 35, 40 points a game, it's it's just it's that's a big hill to climb right from the start. 13 of 13 at the rim in that game. Do you realize how much of a challenge it is to get 13 shots at the rim in an NBA Finals game, period, much less convert them all? Only guy in the last 25 years to have every field goal he made be within five feet and score at least 30 points in a Finals game. It's it's just a command. It's a com- it was a command game, and that was coming off of another command game. Um, so, look, uh, Devin Booker was a non – you know, uh, on various – 
things, you know, especially with, with Zach Lowe and the podcast that, that we do after the games, I've just been so blown away, impressed by how good Devin Booker has played yeah. under these circumstances. Well, Booker had a, had a bad game, you know, he had a and so he had a clunker. and just in general, um, they didn't shoot. They shot the ball poorly from three. They were nine of 31 in game three. And, and by the way, Jay Crowder was six of seven. six of seven. Yes. So, wow. he, so Cameron Johnson, Booker and Chris Paul were what? Three of 16 on threes. And you throw in Cameron Payne, um, three of three of 18. So that's an outlier performance as well. That is not going to continue. Sure. Um, but again, I, 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 I hate to hammer away on this point because people in my life tell me I say things over and over and I'm, I'm sorry if you're a listener of this podcast and I do it. The first two games, DeAndre Ayton was plus 23 combined plus minus plus 23. Last night he's minus six. Ayton, Ayton, Ayton. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy who's going to do the executing in those pick and rolls where Paul and Booker make it happen. But if they don't have Ayton, being Aiton, and even last night, he by the way, he has 18 points and nine rebounds and two steals. Yeah, yep. it wasn't like he didn't well, play well, pretty much, but all, just, pretty much all that came in the first quarter. But even still, no, I know I'm saying he got them off to a good start and then he got in foul right. trouble to your point. And the thing about him that's so important, Brian, like you said, is that like what have we been talking about this whole time? The Suns are a team that's basically just a bunch of jump shooters, except for him, right? He's the one guy that can is going to consistently be a threat at the rim to either clean up misses for putbacks on, you know, offensive rebounds or just to catch the ball and seal inside on pick and rolls and score. And, or, and get you the occasional, you know, he's, he's got some versatility. You, you can yep. throw it to him. If he's got a mismatch, he can, you know, he, Absolutely. you can put it, Absolutely. give it to him on the block or he's got, you know, he hit a little floater last night. He, he's not a guy who has to get it right at the totally. rim. No, absolutely. But if you don't have him out there, then you're just solely a jump shooting team. And for as good as Chris Paul is and as good as Devin Booker is, as good as, you know, Cam Johnson's an elite shooter, like as good as these guys are, if you're only shooting jump shots, obviously that's a high variance situation and you're liable to have a game like last night where you just don't make anything. Well, plus your jump shots aren't, your jump shots aren't as open because you're running pick and roll without that guy setting just, you know, (laughs) concrete wall screens. You know, not not to mention that he's he's their defensive end. I mean, look, DeAndre Ayton has proven during this series that he is an elite center. He is an elite two way center. He is, uh, you know, he he he's going to go into next season as a serious All NBA candidate. To quote your incredible story, one of the greatest stories you ever did about Chandler Parsons with his uh, with his contract <laughs> demand to Mark Cuban. Uh, I believe as he was out of the sunroof of a limousine, pulling away from a club. I think it was, it was the window, but yeah, in, okay. in, in the alley behind an Oklahoma City club. <laughs> Max or nothing, bleeper, bleeper. No, um, it's, it's, you can say mother. You just can't say the okay. second part of that compound Max word. or nothing. Max or nothing. That's what Mr. Aiden mother will trucker. be saying. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Mr. Aiden will be saying to the Suns. Um, you know, when it's time to talk about his contract in the offseason. And it's the right thing to say. And, and, and you know and, what? Hey, Chris Paul might too. <laughs> And his max is a lot higher. Yeah, that's going to be a conversation for after the finals. Um, okay, so I, I, my, I've covered a lot of playoff series. When I've seen series like this, when it's 2-1, I know that conventional wisdom would say, well, if it's 2-2, two, two, 
the winner of game five is in the driver's seat. And of course I agree with that. But in this particular instance, I've seen many series like this, particularly series when I've covered LeBron because he has come from behind 2-0 on a handful of occasions. When a series is 2-1 in a series that feels like this, where it's pretty evenly matched, the team that wins game four, it's, I mean, you have to actually have to see how it plays out because maybe somebody gets hurt or whatever. Team that wins game four, really, you know, and I don't have the stats to back it up, but I feel like the team that wins game four is going to win this series. That's what well, I'm going to say. This feels a lot like the Brooklyn series, right? Where an obviously is a little different because they got routed in game two, but they came back and won. Um, they came back and won those next two games in Milwaukee. And really they, they, they would have won game five too, if Kevin Durant didn't have probably the greatest game he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Right. Like as that series went along, they were the better team for the final five games. And, you know, I, I feel like this is trending in a similar direction where again, going back to the start of game two, when Giannis was fully engaged and comfortable on that leg again, they were the, they, they had the right strategy in game two and the sun shot the lights out and their guys couldn't hit a shot. And the same thing worked in game three. And I just don't, I, I repeated this a bunch of times now too. I just don't see a way that the Suns are going to keep Giannis from putting up huge numbers. It might not be 40 and 10. It might be 35 and eight or whatever, but I, I just don't, I don't see any way they're going to do that. And so it's going to come down to, you know, can they, can their can they make shots in the perimeter? Can Chris and Devin outplay those guys? Like, can DeAndre stay on the court and be effective over 38 minutes? Like they need a, all that stuff to go right because they got a human freight train coming at them from the other side that's just going to put up monster numbers every single game. Uh, do you see Chris Middleton though having a big game on the road? Well, I mean, he, you know, his his home road splits. Now nah, you can say, well, hey, you know, you can point out some exceptions, but his home road splits in the playoffs are pretty significant, and the uh, Phoenix home court advantage. You know, Bon Temps, you, you were at the game. Good. I mean, you can it's speak good. about it more than I no, can. No, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's a crazy atmosphere in there. But look, they, you know, he hit some massive shots, including the game-winning shot in Game Seven on the road to beat the Nets. And they hit some. He hit some big shots in that Game Five, and just Durant just outgunned him. And you know, so yeah, I think the Bucks can. I think the Bucks can get one of those wins. I mean, look, like I said. The Bucs were in position to win game two when they couldn't hit a shot and the Suns literally went 20 for 40 from three. Like, I just, this just really feels like it's tipped to me in Milwaukee's favor. And just, you have to have a lot of things fall into place for the Suns to win. And they did in game two. And Giannis wasn't exactly himself in game one. But if he keeps playing like this, it, I just, it's just going to be hard to deny him, I think. Because he's just he's just got a, he's got an ability to warp this series in a way that it's just really hard for the Suns to combat. I agree. There's a few guys that we've seen in NBA history who have the ability to just tilt the floor, tilt the floor in their team's way. I mean, it's Shaq like. It's really that's who he reminds me of when I watch him play. It's just he's just he's just a completely overwhelming force physically. And like you go back and watch those early 2000s series, like when they played Indiana, some of these teams that were really good and deep and Shaq just overwhelmed you. Just, he just would get the ball inside and score and you couldn't do anything about it. 
And yeah, some of some of those scrums under the basket where it's like there's a loose ball under the basket. And next thing you know, Giannis is doing a chin up on the rim. <laughs> well, well, there was that one play under the basket where there were three sons around him and the ball just kept getting bounced around and bounced around. It went from one guy to the next guy to the next guy. And Giannis just had his hands on it repeatedly. And like you said, it just ended up with him grabbing the ball and just going up and dunking over all three of them. You know, my other just, favorite Giannis thing is when he's in a, when he's in transition, but there's traffic and he picks it up at about the three point line. And next thing you know, he's dunking the ball. <laughs> it's like, how did he get from there to there? Yeah, and even when he like I, I, long steps and all that, he takes off. You think, okay, he's gonna have to, you know, f- this is a floater or a layup. And next thing you know, he's dunking the ball. I mean, the guy is absolutely ridiculous. So, and that's and that's you the thing heard that's changed in game one too. Is he's been much more aggressive the past couple of games in transition. In game one, he was good in the half court, and when he get isolated with somebody, he'd make a strong move and score. These last two games, he gets the ball on the break and he's going. And there's no hesitation. And that, that's what the difference has been. In the 2000 finals, which Mark Jackson talked about the other day, where there was a, it was a game where he took 39 free throws when the Pacers had no hope. I just want a frame of reference. In the 2000 finals, uh, Lakers, uh, Pacers, six games, Lakers won 4-2. Shaq played 46 minutes a game. <laughs> he averaged 38 points, uh, 17 rebounds. He actually averaged two assists. He had, he had 16 blocks in the six games. He had 100 rebounds in the six games, okay? Um, you know, the standard that we're talking about here, he shot 61%. The standard that we're talking about here is that's prime, prime, prime Shaq. Yeah, but he the- wasn't a good free throw shooter, so that guy really sucked. <laughs> and, and listen, what, what was his three-point percentage? Could he, could he shoot a three? He didn't have a bag. Come on. <laughs> Well, when this series did not take reminds, a three. This series kind of reminds me of that too, because that Indiana team is sort of like this Suns team, right? I mean, it's not exactly the same, but they had they had Mark Jackson and Reggie Miller. They had Jalen Rose on the wing. Um, you know, they they had a it, it was a similarly built team, sort of in terms of the pieces, and they just went up against an you know immovable object who just just listen, listen to listen to these three Shaq finals. That the, in the first three, Pete, 2,000, 46 minutes, 38 points, 17 rebounds, 61%. 2,001, 45 minutes, 33 points a game, 16 rebounds, five assists, 57% shooting. That was against Philly. The, they lost game one and won the next four. 2002, the last of the three, Pete, um, which they swept the Nets, 42 points a game, 36 30, 41 minutes a game, 36 points a game, 12 rebounds a game, 60% shooting. Okay. And I, I know we've only played three games. We haven't played six and I'm not saying that Giannis is going to put up the same numbers in games four five and six as he did in one, two, and three, but I just read you those Shaq numbers and I'm going to read you the Giannis numbers again, 38 minutes, 40, 34 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, 63% shooting. Well, and your point, Brian, is that the, the moment is here for him, right? It's 2-1 in the finals. If they can win this game four on Wednesday, like this is, this is the moment where he can win a championship, right? It's on his, it's on his racket. And if he plays this well the, over the next three to four games, however long the series goes, if he, you know, he's got the ability 
to win this championship for Milwaukee. And I think we'll all agree there's only a handful of guys at any time in the sport where you can go into a series and say that guy can win a series for his team by himself. And Giannis has the capability to do that in the series. We'll see if he does it or not. But it's it's the, the opportunity is there for him if he can take advantage of it. And the fact that he's doing this in a series that I'll be honest, I didn't think Giannis was going to be able to play in this series. Look, I was. I mean, we were just everybody just Giannis, breathed. The, yeah, we were just glad Giannis he wasn't gone next was, year. That's right. When Giannis went down in that game in Milwaukee, every single person in the building in Atlanta thought he was gone for a year, including Giannis, who said he thought he was gone yeah. for a year. Like the fact that he came back a week later and he played in the NBA Finals is unbelievable, let alone doing what he's doing. I mean, it's it's really incredible. And the other thing is he's doing this when he he made the decision, you know what? I'm going to win it in Milwaukee. I'm not going to look for the easier route. I'm not going to play this season out and explore my options. Um, now, you know, they've made, they, you know, had to get the Drew Holiday deal done to probably convince him, but. And the PJ Tucker deal, they got that done. I mean, after it signed, but, after well, look, signed, Drew, but, Holiday, but Drew Holiday was a guy he wanted to play with. Like yeah. they went and got a guy he was interested in playing with. But you know what? Sure. He, he, Giannis easily could have played this out. And you know what? If Giannis wanted to come down here to Dallas and team up with Luca, that'd be a hell of a lot easier route to a potential dynasty. If he wanted to, you know, maybe uh, hop down to Miami, that probably would have been an easier route to a dynasty. But he he was no, he was going to get it done in Milwaukee. And you know, I just I just think the nitpicking of Giannis that tends to happen is is really silly. All right, you talked about Luca. Game game four of the finals. Uh, Wednesday night. We'll see how that goes. Um, talked about Luca. Luca uh, got the uh, Slovenians qualified for the Olympics. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. I'm here in Team USA. There's five uh, teams going to the Olympics here. Um, I saw the uh, Americans get beat by the Nigerians um, the other night. Mm. Um there's a long way to go. And while Pop, Popovich, he um, sort of sloughed, sloughed off is the wrong one. He sort of said, this is not that big of a deal. We have to learn. And even if you watch the way he operated down the stretch of the game, he actually had like Darius Garland and um, Sadiq Bey in the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're not even really on the roster. But yeah. with seven minutes to go, he did put um, 
Lillard and Durant back in and it was a tie game and they, and the Nigerians won the game down the stretch. Um, but even the last play, the Americans had the ball uh, on the last play to, to tie the game. They were down three with the ball. Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard were on the, um, were on the court and they ran a play for Zach Levine. Kevin Durant so, was sort of on the court. He looked like he might be asleep. I don't think he moved. On, on okay. Very so strict. again, I don't want to look at this and say, oh my God, this is uh, just a devastating moment. The, but I'm going to say to you, the Nigerians had seven NBA players. None of them are NBA starters. Um, mm. You know, some of them could be NBA starters in the future, but we're not talking about playing against a team like uh, France or Spain um, or Australia who has like big time NBA players uh, on there, or even, you know, maybe they're not in the NBA anymore, but they were good NBA players at one time. Um, it is going to be a struggle. And I don't know what's going to happen with Australia tonight. Who knows the U S may win by 30 and everybody will be fine. But, um, and especially because there's a guy like Luca out there because I don't know if it's me or whatever, but Team USA has lost three games in international competitions in the last 15 years. I've been at all three of them. And I've now been at one of the, their exhibition losses. I think they have two exhibition losses in the last like 30 years. And now I was at, you know, they've had five losses in 15 years. I've been at four of them. I think they're 54 and three since the dream team in exhibitions now, I think two or three. At all of those games that I was at, that they lost, which is now four that I've been to in the last 15 years, all of those games they would have won if it was a 48-minute game. They may have won all four of those games if it was a 44-minute game. But the 40-minute game changes everything. They would have beaten Nigeria in a 44-minute game, I believe, and certainly in a 48-minute game. And Luka Doncic, who we know, tends to wear down a little bit, McMahon, yeah, that's a good doesn't point. have to worry about that 48 minute game. And it's not just Luca, it's these other teams. And the year, the years of the U S dominating are over. We know that it's going to be, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be really, really hard for this team to win the gold medal. They should win it. They're starting. They, they started five guys uh, who have been all NBA players in the first game. Four of them were all NBA players this year. And Durant who didn't make all NBA because of his injuries, right. but he's an all NBA player. They started five all NBA players. So they've got the talent. Um, and I know no one's really paying attention right now. And that's fine. I'm here to pay attention for you. And this is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm reporting back. It's going to be, it's going to be dicey over in Tokyo, man, the sacrifices you're making, paying attention for us and waking up early to play golf. Wendy, you are an American hero. Lines, My gracious. Life. The shadow Good finals. Way. I call them. <laughs> no, but you know, obviously USA has the most talent and it's not close, but you know, it's a it's it's kind of an AAU type of thing where you know these guys have not played together a lot, whereas these other countries, you know, Luca has played and Luca hadn't been playing with the Slovenian national team in the last few, but the, you know, these are guys who he's played with, he's won uh, you know, he's won championships with before you know saying the, the the french national teams a bunch of guys who played a lot of games together right they're uh, not they're not cycling through different players they're right australia sprain argentina by the way luis scola is still hooping he finally cut his hair probably because it's gray but dude <laughs> luis scola is still getting buckets luca yes. by the way in lithuania uh in the uh in the championship game of that qualifying tournament uh, only had 31, 11, and 13 to beat the Lithuanians yeah, it, at home. 
in a, in a 40 minute game. <laughs> yeah. And, and, get, and, and to get the MVP trophy from Arvita Sabonis after beating his kid. I mean, it was yeah, pretty after, after beating his, after beating his kid, Valanciunas is on that Lithuanian team. Um, you know, I, I mean, I would put my money on team USA. I think that obviously the more time they have together, the better they'll get. But I agree with you. It's not just a, you know, tie your shoot, you know, tie your, your shoes up and, and go out there and easily coast to a gold medal type of deal. What was that? What was the numbers? When do you probably know these off the top of your head? The last time Team USA played Nigeria, what was the uh, the, the margin of victory? They played them in the it, they played them in the Olympics in 2012, and as Bontem said, won by 83. They played them in an exhibition before the Rio Olympics, and won by 43. So, and then they lost this one by three. Next time they're going to lose by 46. By the way, um, Mike Brown. Pretty damn impressive job coaching that Nigerian team. They were very well coached. They made 20 out of 42 threes, which is the, also this the recipe for winning. Bradley Beal looked terrible. He he was so off and so rusty that yeah. Pop just took him off the floor. Um, and Kevin Love, quite frankly, looked terrible. He had five thousand three, he had three thousand five minutes and then come back. Um you know, I was talking with the scout. I'm actually, there's a bunch of scouts and a bunch of people here. Uh, it was terrific to talk to Pop and Mike Brown face-to-face. Um, I told Pop that I appreciated that he had uh, he had gotten his hair cut because I thought that that was getting a little bit ridiculous. Um, and he oh, acknowledged. Ever since Wendy went away from the buzz cut, now, like, did you offer him some product? My God, when did you become a hair snob? He could have used some. He could have used some product there. When did you, you become you need one? To, I'm not. I'm a buzz cut guy. I'm a do-it-yourself buzz cutter. And you know what? You are a hell of a lot better when you were, too. <laughs> uh, yes, my Team USA credential is from my old cut. I got the buzz cut in it. Um, but, um, you know, I was talking with the scout who I, who I saw here and um, you know, love, there was a pushback to love making the team, but I want you guys to sit and think about this. Um, think about the American big men. Cause Kevin loves the center on this team. Okay. Uh, and by the way, Draymond green, who obviously can't score pretty much anymore. Yeah. Draymond green was maybe the, the U S's second best player behind Jason Tatum in this game. He was great, but um, he can't stretch the floor. Um, Tell me the American centers who you who you would have wanted them to pick because we Miles went through Turner. it. Well, Miles Who's Turner played played in 2019 and got spanked. I'd, I'd rather have Miles Turner than Kevin Love. Okay, but then Kevin Love. You're right. Fair point. Brooke Lopez played in 2019, played poorly. I would Brooke rather Lopez. have Brooke Lopez and Kevin Love too. Okay, Perfect. fine. Those are fine. But by the way, like there is like that's pretty much the list. I mean, we went through it. There's not a, there's not a ton of bigs, but I would have rather had, I would have rather at minimum had both of those. Okay. But like, because I think there's people who are like, now who are the bigs on the roster? The centers are are, uh, Draymond Green, Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love. They are going to play center. So we're not going to mention Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is not, cannot play because he He, played with the Dominican. He's a teenager. John 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 Calipari got him to play for the Dominican Republic before he uh, right before he went to Kentucky. and and DeAndre Ayton is even though he's been in the country since he's been 15 or he's so Bahamas. he is he's Bahamanian he is not eligible to play now he yeah, could I mean, from, he could you know become an American citizen and request to play I mean Hakeem Olajuwon played for the Americans in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta 
Um, but he's not. He's not. You know, they couldn't have picked him now. Yeah, I mean, we went I through. I forgot and about that thing with Cat. Yeah, we went through and looked at this before the before the the team was announced. Brian and I, and like you know, the guys who were on the list, like Jared Allen's restricted free agent. He wasn't going to be eligible. He wasn't going to be playing. There's guys like Blake and DeAndre who weren't going to be options. Zion wasn't going to play. Um, Lamarcus obviously is not going to play now. Anthony Davis wasn't going to play. Montrose well, Anthony Davis Howard is the answer, but Anthony Davis is hurt. Well, right, but I, obviously I didn't say him because he wasn't he wasn't going to play. So you guys like, gonna you guys gonna spank me for Texas homerism? <laughs> Christian Wood. Yeah. No, I but mean, here's, listen, a, I can, here's what I'm saying. Make an argument: Christian Wood should be there over Kevin Love. But yeah, there's not there's not a over. So to your point, Brian, there was not an overwhelming run of guys. I would have rather maybe had Julius Randle than Kevin Love, frankly, just played small. But that's that's me. Well, the, the European teams have big centers, but the thing, a, a couple of things about the international game that I'll remind you. One, you can goaltend, which the Nigerians goaltended on a free throw in the fourth quarter, and the crowd at the arena here in Vegas the other night like was like horrifying. Crazy, yeah. Because it's and it's fine. It does look very strange when somebody takes yeah. the ball off the rim like that. But by the way, it was a three point game, so that point mattered. All right. Um, two, there's no defensive three seconds, and so Rudy Gobert can stand at the front of the rim all day, which is what he did when the French beat the Americans in the World Cup two years ago. Yep. And three, and this is something that will your eye will freak out. But three, you have to dribble before you you have to put the ball on the floor before you make your move. So so often in the NBA, we're so used to seeing the guys make their move and then dribble. You have to dribble first, which is probably the way you know James Naismith designed it. But it's evolved in the NBA where they'll let you begin your begin moving before you. I don't know if James Naismith quite new basketball is going to look like this. Uh, I I think there's a lot of things about modern day basketball that he didn't imagine. Seems like, seems like a safe bet, but um, I don't don't think James Naismith had a lot of lob plays in his playbook, but uh, I will say this. um, uh, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Middleton, um, who am I for? Who's the other guy? I drew holiday. Will they'll be, they'll be happy to have them because right now, um, Team USA is going to need all the help it can get. And uh, one thing to point out, I was speaking to Jason Tatum after the game. Tatum did look good. Tatum had 15 points and seven rebounds of the of the top end NBA players. Um, uh, he he looked probably looked the best. But he said like nobody on this roster has ever really played together before, like in a meaningful mm-hmm. way, like on a team. And I looked at it and I was like, he is right. Um, uh, and uh, he so. It's hard when you're kind of playing pickup ball and the other team has sets that they know like the back of their hand. Right. And when the pressure came the other night, they went to straight ISO ball. Uh, Durant was playing ISO ball. Little was playing ISO ball. Levine was playing ISO ball. Um, uh, So that's going to be a thing. But uh, we got to do that. Not bad options to have. But yeah, that's true. They are the greatest isolation players in the world, but it didn't work out. All right. Well, we'll obviously be talking about it. Uh, Team USA more in the coming weeks. Got the finals going on. Lots to uh, pay attention to there. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Bontemps. Thank you to our producer, Jackson. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. I'll be back with Zach Lowe and another scheduled special guest following uh, game four. We had uh, Steve Clifford after game two, Tyrese Halliburton after game three, who... um, you're gonna get insight. you're gonna get James Harden from uh from whatever fancy city he's no. in. 
I don't okay. think James would be even like, by the way, of course we would be glad to book. Him. I don't even know if I James doesn't. I mean, obviously he knows the game beautifully, but I'm not sure he would feel like talking. So I'd rather have somebody who really knows and wants to talk about the game. So we have a, a good guest booked for game four, but I don't want to jinx it. So I'm not going to keep hard and away headline. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you later. Adios amigos. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.